0: Welcome to the Miller Oddcast, a brand new podcast from the Missouri Review. For over 40 years now, TMR has been discovering and publishing the best contemporary writing in fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. Our quarterly magazine appears in print, digital, and audio formats. Learn more at missourireview.com. Jim Vockler-White. Is a writer and editor whose work has been published by Tin House, Confrontation, Vice, The Lifted Brow, and Voice Works. He holds a BA in Media Arts and Production from the University of Technology, Sydney. He grew up and lived on Bundjalung country in the Northern Rivers region of New South Wales, Australia, and has lived and worked in New York City since 2014. His website is www.jimvoklerwhite.com. Jim Falkler-White's The Shrinking Island Isn't for the faint of Heart. This eight-minute short prose piece uses expert sound effects and mixing to bring to life a disastrous and murderous family vacation, told through the eyes of a child who didn't want to be there in the first place. The island is isolated and shrinking, replete with discarded vacation items like punctured donut floaties and tiny paper parasols, which, along with the soft strings of the ukulele, serves as the background for this trip gone terrifyingly awry. White's piece is dry and dark, with a bit of avocado toast and just the right amount of boomerang history. This is the Miller Oddcast, and this is Jim Vokler White's The Shrinking Island.
1: The Shrinking Island. We'd packed for paradise. It was supposed to be a destination. The brochure promised the ultimate family vacation. Our plane stalled halfway. We never made it. But the promise was kept. Our family was ultimately vacated. The tiny decorative island we crash landed on was shrinking. Peter our patriarch, a.k.a. Dad, couldn't admit it, but I don't know how he could have denied it. The shrinking could have been a programming fault in the island's biodegradation speed, or maybe it was just good old-fashioned planned obsolescence, since these little islands were clearly ornamental in nature. Or maybe the island wasn't synthetic at all, just a real baby island that was somehow shrinking and fast. On impact, the cargo hold ripped open and all our useless leisure objects were strewn and broken across the sugar white sand like bad toppings on a melting cone of soft serve. Fluorogreen boogie boards were stabbed into the shrinking beach like tombstones. Dislocated beach umbrellas lay like giant broken spiders. Punctured donut fluties and inflatable chaises wheezed. Then there was the carry-on crap. Silly straws and tiny paper parasols. Playing cards with errant jokers. Rattling board games with missing bits. And books. Beach reads with lowercase titles by authors with androgynous pseudonyms. Self-help manuals. And skinny glosses. All spread out across the sand like dead birds. Engine oil was gathering at the shore, spilling colour into the water like a poisoned rainbow. And near that, the only thing intact, a boomerang. Don't forget the damn boomerang, Peter had said before takeoff and then added all dad like, or it'll be a decision that'll come back and buy in the butt. He was an idiot. He picked it up and flung it at me. Still can't figure out how to get it to come back, he said. Must be faulty. He was an idiot, and the island was shrinking. After the crash, we picked up what we could find of Percy, the youngest, and buried him. Panic emerges in manifold ways, but none of us did very well. No keeping calm, nor carrying on. Our brother PJ hadn't eaten before takeoff, and now he was too hungry to think straight. He tried fishing, but the shore kept receding. He was starving, he said, literally starving. But the sea was a long throng of blue time, where the seconds became like the fish. Uncatchable moments swimming out and away from each other. You're losing it. I said, I'm finding it. He snapped back. I was scared he'd try to cannibalize the rest of us in our sleep, probably me first. But after the first hungry, shrinking night, I found PJ hanging from one of the decorative palms, not swaying in the nothing breeze. Back at the crash site, I found a few avocados in a plastic bag. I had a shattered feeling that first morning but it was mostly for Penny, my twin. After Percy and PJ, yes, I've renamed us for protection from embarrassment. After Percy and PJ, Penny went mute and climbed trees. My twin sister from the same stupid mister. Although I used to think I was less Peter and more Mum. I don't think that anymore. After the crash, Mum got a bit repetitive. Her phraseology was as shrunken as the island. It's all my fault, she kept saying. We need to build a house or something, Peter said. Ride it out, wait for help. There's no time. We need to leave, I said, pointing out at our big, blue, obvious deaths. We're staying put he said. We stick together as a family. Here, have an avocado. I devoured it and asked for another. He chuffed bitterly. Your generation and your avocados. I bet if there was an avocado tree on this island, you'd keep it for the food instead of felling it to build a shelter, wouldn't you? No. I'd take the timber and use it to build a raft to get off this shrinking island you would not he laughed you'd just keep slathering avocados under sourdough and shoving it into your face until you're broke you'll never own property you know when are you moving out he asked we're going to die i said we're already dying i pointed urgently at the shrinking shoreline just tides he said just a bit of weather that second night I pleaded with Mum to help me escape, but she shook her head. It's all my fault, she said. I want to say she was just being too hard on herself. But the next morning, she shook my sister Penny from the tree she'd climbed and brained her with a coconut. It's all my fault, she said. On the last morning, I left. I managed to patch the inflatable chaise and get it floating. The island was disappearing so obviously now that it seemed to resemble time itself, like a clock whose hands erased it. Mum tried charging out into the waves after me, but only made it a few strokes before she slipped under and disappeared. Floating away from the shrinking island, I watched Peter fling the boomerang around, failing to make it return. He didn't know this, But not all boomerangs were designed to come back. I was bratty and insolent and reedly. But I was right. Originally, boomerangs were tools used by hunters to hurl out and kill animals, or distract and confuse birds. Only later were they tailored to return. To be sporty entertainment. A little bit of weaponized fun. I looked back. The shrinking island was just a white coin of sand in the distance. I lay down. The sky faded to a powerless screen of black. The few stars looked like broken pixels. Then a fluttering whir sounded from the distance and grew louder and something whipped by overhead and flew out to the horizon. It was a good one, I watched it fly. Peter had finally figured it out. Some things never come back. You throw it out. You let it go. A deadly message hovering.
0: Thanks for being with us on the Miller Oddcast number two, featuring the story The Shrinking Island from Jim Vogler White. Gratitude to him for allowing us to showcase his work visit them online. We'll make sure and put a link on our website and in the podcast notes. Stay tuned for Miller Oddcast number three coming soon. I want to take this moment to remind you, submissions are now open for the 2021 Miller Audio Prize. Learn all about it at our website. Thanks also to the Missouri Review contest editor, Bailey Boyd, and to Patricia Miller for her generous support for the Miller Audio Prize. Finally, CMR is open for submissions year-round, and we remain dedicated to discovering and publishing the best contemporary writing in fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. Be heard. Give us the opportunity to discover you. Subscribe or submit your work today. Learn more at MissouriReview.com.